Robbie Knox here, landlord of the Moon Underwater, and I have a very exciting announcement to share with you. Have you ever found yourself listening along to the podcast thinking, hmm, I wish I could experience this with my own eyes in the real world? Well, you're in luck, because very soon the Moon Underwater will be returning to the other realm for a special live show. As it's such a special occasion, we thought we'd invite an equally special guest along. Joining us on the night to create their dream pub is the Edinburgh Comedy Award-winning comedian Ahir Shah. It's taking place on Sunday the 7th of April at Moth Club in London. Tickets are on general sale now. Search Moon Under Pod on socials, head to our page and click the link in the bio to get your tickets. We look forward to seeing you there. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Onward, onward and over, through and beyond, follow the threads of chimney smoke and unroll the camber of street, footfall in the mind, pathway to the past, and then it horizons itself anew, the moon underwater. song be heard to the aft and to the swain and welcome to the moon underwater here we are sat in its oaky gleam tonight all of oak knocking around the moon underwater and i john robbins am the landlord of this sacred pub in which we invite guests to come and furnish their own minds or their own pubs or their own pubs in their own minds basically create their dream pub but it's been very, it's been very lonely here today in the moon underwater, and so I'm glad to see a shadow, a silhouette appear against the gazebo out the back and through the plentiful 
I think quadruple French windows, in walks he, him, Sen, the regular, the lovely Robin Allender. Hello, Robin. Hello, John. How are we? Pew yourself, mate. Pew yourself. Thanks. I've bepewed. He's bepewed himself with some grace, uh, I have to say. Uh, Robin, how, how are you, my dear? I'm good. I'm oaky myself. I'm feeling oaken. Are you? I'm fully bepewed. And, um, yeah, just uh, just enjoying the every damn minute with this crew. I've uh, put up a lot of, um, you know, how uh, in a lot of pubs they will sort of blue tack the... Uh, different beer mats to the wall. Yeah. I've actually gone for you know the um the metal pump clips. Okay. Yeah. I actually drilled them into the wall. So one wall looks like a sort of massive beer armadillo. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. It's it is quite it is a it's got sort of got a very sculptural. It's not very clear what it is at first. It does need to be explained. Yeah. But you've you've also got a little plaque on the wall there, sort of explaining what it is. Yes, it just says, this is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on the plaque. Yeah. And in pub we find ourselves, but also in pub we have been, haven't we, Just? Mm, yes. yes, we've been to pubs. We've been to pubs. We've been without pubs and we've been within pubs. And some new new pubs and some old pubs. <laughs> and new, new pubs and old pubs. And also an old debate uh I think was settled this week in a pub we went to where they had sparklers on their oh. ale taps. Yeah. And it was absolutely superb. Yeah. It was so good that I f- kept forgetting the name of the beer we were drinking and called it Over 50s. Yeah. What was it, it was, called again? It's called 61 Deep. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. It's Marston's Brewery. Um, and... Robin said, I'll have a pint of over 50s. <laughs> um, but it's a pale ale. It's just absolutely... Sorry, there's just so many cookies in my mind. Mm. Whenever I look something up into my mind, I have to enter so many cookies, I have to tell my mind the year I was born. It probably will be like that in the future. We'll probably have to kind of accept cookies in our brain and have ads playing between thoughts. Oh, are you um, listening, Charlie Brooker? <laughs> and then you and then you can subscribe to your mind on Patreon to remove the ads. Yeah, and you can have private private thinking. Private thinking. <laughs> and you can sort of you can sort of separate off like forty percent of your brain and password protect that bit. Yeah. You can have loads of different tabs open at the same time. But only one user. Mm. Uh, yes, yeah, so uh, 61 Deep won the World Beer Awards gold. And it's just, I think obviously Marston's, this is a guess, but I think they've had a bit of a rebrand because they're, a lot of their sort of um, advertising stuff looks looks quite modern now. And they were sort of quite a traditional brewery, weren't they? Yeah. I think just the, the, the sparkler, though, I mean, that's a pub's own choice, isn't it? Yes, but I wonder if the... The brewery may recommend it. Yeah. It just is a kind of like... Nostalgic's maybe the wrong word, but it reminds me of so much of pubs up north, just drinking it. You know, that that creamy taste, the creamy texture of a, a sparkled beer. But I don't know why all pubs don't do it, because the head just clung to the glass. And they asked us if we wanted straight glasses or handles, which is really nice. I like that. Um, but do you remember the advert for Marston's? No. 
it had a very catchy song, which I think I can remember completely, but it was good old John Marston's, the great Victorian bloke, he bought us Marston's, the finest ale from Casks of Oak, brewed the present Union way up until the present day, pedigrees his finest brew in all the land. Thank heavens, something <laughs> are what they used to be. Do you, do you remember that? No. <laughs> Extraordinary. Uh, no, I don't remember yeah, that at all. I remember that from the tele when I was little. Mm, mm. Uh, yeah, so many thanks to Marston's for your 61 Deep. Many thanks to the Elephant and Castle for having sparklers, asking us if we wanted handles on our glasses. And do you know what? I wouldn't have wanted one unless they'd asked. And then I was like, yes, I do, actually. Yes, it's nice. A special occasion. Um, we also went to the Angel in Henley, which was really nice. And they we had their... Braxbeer Gravity, 3.4%. That was absolutely stunning after a lovely walking jaunt with some pals. And Henley, I've never explored the pubs of Henley. It looks like a real pub epicentre, doesn't it? Mm, mm. Can't wait to go back there when I'm not driving. Uh, I didn't have a, a, a pint, but uh, Robin did, and then we had some more pints once I'd driven back. I got to 30,000 steps that day. That's extraordinary. That must be a... Re- is that a record? It's a definitely a personal record. I mean... It's a PB. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I felt good. It was great. Robin, is uh, whoa, what do you want to drink b- 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 before? <laughs> what do you want to drink, Robin? I've been uh, remiss. What, would, what can I get you from the bar? I would just have, um, you know, the sh- you know, there's this Italian chef and one of his dishes is like the best bit of the lasagna. So it's just kind of an arty dish where it's just the kind of crusty bit you get at the end. Yeah. I'll just have like the fizz of a lager. Just the fizz. Just the fizz of the lager. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll just sort that out for you now. Uh, Thank you. Foster's or Moretti fizz? <laughs> I'll have to be Moretti. Yeah, I'll have to be Moretti. <laughs> I actually don't mind Moretti these days. I know. I know you had some before we had the 61 Deep. And I said, Robin, I always thought you didn't like Moretti. And you well, said, I don't, I don't mind Moretti. No, I used to regret a Moretti. <laughs> but now don't forget that he's got Moretti on his spaghetti. Okay, there you go. Pint of Moretti fizz for you. Thank you. And I believe I heard the very plaintive cry of your sigh earlier today. I did. I sighed. I sighed. Betwixt the twain, um, and received some lovely mists. The first mist I'm going to read out is a nice message I got on Instagram. You ever hear of Instagram? Yeah, just a bit. This is from Siobhan Meehan, and she says to Robin Allender and Johnny J.R., I wanted to make you aware of my local pub from home in a little village called Hospital in County Limerick, Ireland. Mrs. Carmody is still serving pints at 92 years of age. Oh, here, here. She's some woman, and her pub is often what I think of when I picture my own moon underwater. She only has one tap. Guinness. <gasps> yes! She's called Peg, and she's 92 years old. And we'll, maybe we'll post a picture on the social meds, but that is uh, fantastic. Oh, my God, just one tap. That's great, though. That's all you need. That is all you need. That is all you need. So thanks for that lovely mist. Had another couple of mists in here. This one's from Alison. And this is to do with um, Stella Gibbons, who we mentioned on the Laura Thompson episode. 
Um, really enjoyed the pod with Laura Thompson. Quick message on Stella Gibbons. I went through a massive Gibbons jag a few years ago, and I loved Westwood in particular. It's set in wartime Hampstead and its environs, so you'll want to head to the Heath for a long walk, book in pocket, and stop off at the Spaniards Inn, mm. where you can imagine Keats a scribbling in an oaky nook. <laughs> <laughs> Though please go midweek to avoid the obnoxious North West London types and their noisy offspring who descend at the weekend for £20 plates of chish and fips. And if you're getting into Gibbons, then what about Barbara Pym? Some of the funniest and most beautifully observed novels I've read, a few set in Oxford too, where I now live. Larkin loved her. Thanks for all the great content. I had lots of people recommending Barbara Pym. I think if you listen to the Backlisted podcast, Andy Miller is a big fan of Barbara Pym, so I definitely want to read some of her. And just one more missed here. This is from Eleanor. And this is a really lovely so, one. Oh, sorry to interrupt, Robin, but if we do get into Barbara Pym, it'll be Pym's o'clock. <laughs> yeah. It'll be P- Pym o'clock. Pym o'clock, yeah. Yeah. That'd be a good thing to have in the kitchen, like a fridge magnet. And everyone would say, you spelled Pym's wrong. And he said, like, oh, no, I haven't. Go away. <laughs> get out of my kitchen. Yes. And finally, we've got a cracking mist in here from Eleanor. Uh, uh, the subject is The Crown Posada Revealeth Herself to Me. Oh, lovely. Which is great. Anyone who's listened to the show will know we're a big fan of this pub in Newcastle upon Tyne. Rejoice, The Crown Posada has reopened. In fact, I'm sitting in there right now. Ooh. So, this is a mist that has been. What's the verb for a mist? Um, boiled. Boiled, boiled <laughs> mist. <laughs> So this is a mist that's been <laughs> boiled, actually, in the pub. I live in South London, but come up to Newcastle once a month and have time for brief, sneaky pub trips before I get the late train home. I've been desperate to come here, and I'm so delighted that it has reopened. I can say it lives up to the hype. First impression, it is the most beautiful corridor in the world. Love that. Yes, very really true. Like it's, it's one of those nice, long, thin pubs. Yeah, my dad used to call them like carriage pubs or something like that. It's almost like being on a train. Yeah, like railway carriage pubs or yeah. something. Yeah. The Kings aren't the... What's the one in Bristol by near Temple Meads? King's Head. It's a bit like that. Yeah. Lovely pub. Um, second impression, what ails? And they have Schürferhofer on, t- on tap for when you want to keep it super session because you have a train to catch. If I did not have a train to catch, I would try the 9% porter... I must return and try everything. Maybe I will simply not return to London. Impossible. I would miss the Blythe Hill Tavern and Skiens too much. Oh, great. Oh, God, I've been to Skiens for ages. I heard the barman tell his colleague a story about a man called Wino John, who has been barred twice, but is being allowed in for but is being allowed in for one these days as an act of post-lockdown kindness. Is this you on a particularly non-session night, John? She asks. Anyway. Thank you for the glorious recommendation. It's also a lovely place for a solo pint, and I can't wait to come back next month. I would also recommend the Town Mouse as another great Newcastle pub for those who love the great ales of the Northeast. Yours in Mist and Sessions, Eleanor. Oh, thanks, Eleanor. That's such a nice message to have from our dear friend, the Crown Posada, and to know that it's back full throttle. Mm. It just is such a warm feeling to know that a pub is back because it had closed down and... You know, you worry that everything's changing and going wrong, and then sometimes things just go right a bit. Yeah. (laughs) But it's so nice going out in Newcastle, isn't it? Because one of those beautiful cities, I think we might have said this before, where it's kind of multi-leveled, isn't it? Yeah, like Edinburgh. Yeah, it's great. It's so nice. Brilliant pubs there. Um, Superb. If you want to send us a mist, boil it in your own pub, uh, then do send it to 
john at moonunderpod.com. And you can also go to moonunderpod.com to find out how to support us through the medium of Patreon, which does play a big part in the upkeep of this pub. And those in the top tier, the TTs, the Tango Tangos, uh, get their names read out in the patron's poem once monthly. Uh, but I must, I'm, I'm going to actually give these uh, metal pump clips on the wall a bit of a shine, Robin, because I, I'd like to get them gleaming for our guest this week. And I'm pretty sure they're on their way. So let's get to it. Bit of elbow grease. I'll have a swift half. And uh, then hopefully she will be at our door. Hark, Robin! Hark, hark, hark. Are you re- harking? Hark. How do you respond to hark? Is it like. Will you begin to hark? Oh, right. Is it, you know, when someone says, What's up? I never know how to respond. Is it the same with hark? Uh, well, no. Well, what's up? You'd go, Oh, not much. You sort of can't respond in anything. You have to give a quantity when someone says, What's up? Oh, right. Or you have to say, What is up? Like, what's up with you, Robin? You've got a face like a slapped ass. Right, but Americans... But that gives you more direction on, on, on what they're asking. Yeah, true. But Americans go, what's up? And they reply and go, what's up? Well, anyway, but it doesn't matter what Americans are asking to each other, because I'm asking you to hark. Yeah, hark. I am harking hard, harking furiously. Okay, yeah, now you're harking. Robin, hark. Have you seen the high moor yes. by the castle, by yes. the castle walls? Yes. And how the fog... The fog is approaching down from the high moor around the castle walls. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen it many times. Well, it's happening now. Yes, right, with you. And I think that means that our, our guest this week must have used the portal to the realm that's within the castle walls, which then entails a bit of a trip down here on the old fog. Yes, yeah, I love the fog. It turns into shapes, turns into creatures, turns into modes of transport. But it's very soft, isn't it? Have you ever ridden the fog down to the moon underwater? Yeah, soft as a... Soft as a... I mean, it's fog that is as soft as fog itself. It is. It is, because nothing's as soft as fog. <laughs> it's a very cushioning ride. And I can see her now coming down the hill, through the valley, and uh, surrounded by numerous vespers, right up to the front door, like a sort of um, weather event deliveroo. <laughs> It's Sophie Hagen. Hello, Sophie. Hello. Come into the moon underwater and make yourself at home. I will, thank you very much. I understood very few of those words. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm not sure that you will really have needed to hark a great deal in the other realm. But here in the correct realm, it's, uh, it's an important piece of lingo. But I wanted to start by asking, are you, would you like it to be warmer or colder in the moon underwater? Because we can provide both. You mean then it is now? Yeah. A bit warmer would be nice. A bit warmer, okay. Well, the fire will adjust itself uh, ever so. It just sort of can somehow create embers from nowhere. (gasps) It's lovely. Well, it's so nice of you to be here. What sort of seat would you like to sit on in the moon underwater? Uh, A corner seat. Mm. I want to sit in a corner, my back into a corner, so I can see everything. You like to see everything. Mm. Well, I quite just like being sort of surrounded by walls. <laughs> like I just, I don't like any, anything being behind me. Right. Nice. I quite like having everything behind me. 
because uh, why? Uh, because I might if I'm facing the pub in the corner, I might get distracted by someone being annoying. Yeah, but if if something's behind you, you could get like stabbed. Right. Yeah, or, it's more dangerous. You know, bumped into, or people can make fun of you, or do you not have anxiety? I have. Yeah, but I have. I have anxiety that makes me turn around. <laughs> <laughs> So it's the classic caveman conundrum. Do you want to sit with your back to the back of the cave looking out at all the threat in the world? Or do you want to have your back to all the threat because it will, it will annoy you so much? <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a good question. I quite like the back to the face of the cave with the shadows of what's going on projected against the cave walls. I think you're a very brave man. <laughs> a platonic approach to a threat from outside the cave. Yeah. Well, we'll just get you a corner seat. Thank you. Uh, and Sophie, I like a corner seat as well. I want to be flanked by stone, wood, glass, and just be able to constantly assess threat throughout the room or pub. Now, Sophie, we always love it when we are able to invite uh, a guest who has experience of a different country's drinking establishments and habits. And you are from Denmark. Yes, I am. Are you not? I definitely am, yes. That's correct. You moved to the UK how long ago? Oh, t ten? Ten years? Wow. So how old were you when you left Denmark? I must have been 23. Okay. So prime pub bar visiting age. Yes, we would say bar, but I'm assuming it's sort of the same thing. Oh, say that again? Is there a difference between pub and bar? Yes. What is... What? Well, well, and here beginneth the lesson, I guess, because I'm just trying to formulate an answer to that because I've never actually questioned it before. I would say a pub. Hmm. Robin, thoughts? I think a pub is more, a, a bar has a, a, has a sort of, sounds more sophisticated somehow than a pub. <laughs> <laughs> I think often also bars are attached to other things. So it might be like a hotel bar or it might be uh, the bar in a restaurant or a cocktail bar. I think there's a less of a pint focus in a, in a bar more of a more of a spirit focus but i think maybe the difference is that a pub has like a sort of homely element it's more like being in someone's house it's a public house it's a house you can enter whereas a bar is more like just somewhere for serving drinks there could be a dress code in a bar but there wouldn't be a dress code in a pub that's a good definition. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a good definition. Okay, because I'm trying to think about the, the bars that I know in Denmark. We would only ever call them bars. But I'm trying to figure out if some of them would be, if they were here, they'd be called a pub, or if they would then be called a bar. Mm. Well, describe the bar, <laughs> and we will tell you whether it's a pub or a bar. <laughs> okay, so my favourite one is one called Boan, which means the citizen. But citizen sounds fancier than bo like boan is sort of a slang word for the citizen, and it's sort of smelly, and sort of um, it's small. The my favorite thing about it is that they do beer by a jug. You can buy a jug of beer, which will probably have around like three or four pints in it. So you get a jug for the whole table, and you drink from the jug, and then you take turns to get a new jug. There's a pool table in the back. 
And this is sounding pub publy to me, I, I must say. I think so. And they don't do food. So with that one, I would pretty much say, I would call, I would think that would be a pub. And where, which um, city is that in? The city That's in? Copenhagen. Ah, okay, great. Yeah. And it's across from uh, another, I would say, pub called Borrelu, which is similar to something about this, because the street is called Borrelu, which is Citizen Street. Mm. So the other pub right across the street, which is open one or two hours later, so you start at Bowen because it's nicer, and then you end up at Bowerlu, where you're just like drunk and gross till I don't even remember four or five a.m. Well, it's interesting because I think probably twenty years ago the difference between a pub and a bar may have been its opening hours, because a pub would close at eleven, and bars, if they were in hotels or in city centres, might be open a bit later because they could sort of be more of a like dancing affair in a bar. But it's. It should be such a simple question to answer. And Sophie, you've you've hit upon one of the great mysteries of of drinking in the UK. What is the difference between a pub and a bar? So would you say that the bar in Cheers was a bar or a pub? I would I think I would call that a pub. It's a bit too big, right? I think it if, if it was transplanted into England, you probably would call it a pub. But then I think I, I, I have a silly feeling in my head that pubs are square and bars are long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought something like that. What yeah. about, have you ever been to the Phoenix Arts Club? In Exeter? No. No. Oh, um, <laughs> oh in London? <laughs> yeah, in London by Tottenham Court Road, underneath the Phoenix Theatre. Why is that not a pub? Oh, God, that's such a, that's such a good example. It's not a pub because it's not, self-contained in and of itself it's sort of an adjunct to the to the it's definitely a bar but it feels just like a pub when you're in it so if the theater was removed it would be a pub i think it would be yeah what about pubs that have a theater in the back room that's a you know well this is oh my this is dark arts indeed okay so sophie if if i were going to meet you in soho theater for a drink I wouldn't say, oh, I'll meet you in Soho Theatre Pub. I say I'd meet you in Soho Theatre Bar. Yes, I see, because there's a theatre. And I think also a pub has to have a name that sounds like a pub name. <laughs> These are all very vague rules, but they I like are it. quite vague, yeah, aren't they? I like it. Do you know what? Like I'm going to look it up in my mind, and I'm going to see what the first result in my mind is, because it's such an in- interesting question. Because everyone knows, but it's impossible to say. Yeah. yeah I think everyone, you're right. Everyone just has the so, sort of assumption they make. Mine was probably similar to yours, that it's kind of English, not American. And for something, for some reason, it's something to do with the shape of the room. <laughs> like, but, like, I don't know where that assumption comes from. The opening hours would make sense because Denmark, most of them are open till three, four like just much longer than here. Like I've been out with Daniel Simonson, who's Norwegian, and we would show up to a pub at 11, uh, 11 p.m. or midnight and be like, "Let's the party's just started and everyone's going home. And we'd just be like, what, wait, what? <laughs> this is not normal. Okay, well, I've got, I've got some like, um, I think this is from an American website. So it's it sort of, it's got that angle, but that angle might be useful. So they compare bars and pubs with various sort of um, comparisons of their facilities. So it says in terms of alcohol served, it says a bar will serve a wide selection of liquor, cocktails, mocktails, beer and wine, whereas a pub 
uh, we'll have a large selection of different kinds of beer, some wines and cider. They say that the owner of a bar is called a bar manager, but the owner or manager of a pub is a publican or a landlord. That's an interesting difference. That makes sense. I would never go into a pub and order a cocktail. No. And I would go into Phoenix Arts Club and order a cocktail, I think. Yeah. Uh, Ambience, they say that a bar is busy, often having loud music and dance floors, serving little or no food. Common activity is bar hopping, which is moving from another bar to another. He's made a rod rod for his own back there because busyness is, by its very nature, not static. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Whereas a pub, it says, a casual atmosphere for spending long periods of time with soothing, unobtrusive music. Food is also served. It's mad because as soon as you, as soon as I walked into one blindfold and opened my eyes, I could tell you whether it was a pub or a bar. Which would be a fun game. It would be. <laughs> it would be such a great fun. I'd love that game so much. Pub or bar with John Robbins. You see, in my mind, it's the. I tell you what. In my mind, in a bar, the staff are kind of might be more uniformed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I thought you were going to say handsome, and I was still agreeing handsome, with you. Yeah. I was like, yeah, 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 they are Keep more handsome. Keep getting more and more they? subjective, yeah. They're taller. I think a bar is shinier. Yeah, shinier. Bright, more brightly lit? Perhaps more brightly lit, unless it's a dive bar. And in New York, the difference between a dive bar and a pub is slightly... I guess they're slightly closer. I, I just think a bar has a long, shiny bar, and it doesn't have draft beer. It doesn't have, like, keg cask beer it would have keg only i would say oh what this is just you're teaching me things what's the difference between isn't that always a keg that's cask cask yeah so cask is when you have to pull down the lever yeah the big lever like you're sort of train changing the points on a train track <laughs> yeah. uh, don't know why i picked that <laughs> you analogy. Pick one that was an even further out reference yeah and and the the keg is the one where you just sort of flip down a little sort of uh, tab because kegs are i might get this wrong kegs are sort of like kegs are fizzy <laughs> kegs are fizzier and cask is l in a cask wow i mean this is mind-blowing I don't know how interesting it is to listen to, but I'm... Uh, Well, I'm very interested in the difference between trying to ascertain the difference between a bar and a pub. But but anyway, tell us more about sort of drinking culture in Denmark. It feels... I mean, we're sort of, as a people, quite proud of being able to drink a lot. And I think that comes down to to the opening hours, because we know we have all night. So we don't do the British thing of drinking everything within an hour and then being asleep by 11, which feels terrifying. So I think we actually drink the same amount, but we spread it out a bit more. And there's also there's also something about, I, I can't really, like getting a drink, going out and just having like one beer, doesn't, I don't relate to that in a Danish context. Like you, you drink to get drunk or you drink, and it's like a, an event. Like, we are having a fancy lunch together. Do you know what? Let's have a beer with that. But that's not the same. Let's just go for one beer in the afternoon and then go home. I don't recognize that from Denmark. It feels much more intentional when you do drink. I think that's a massive difference. Sophie, as well, talking about Copenhagen. Can you tell us, do you ever go to Christiania? Is that ever something where you go on a night out? Or is this a kind of 
I've been I've been on nights out to Christiania. I feel weird about Christiania because it is its own it's its own little city, right? Like they have their own democracy, they have their own way of doing things. And I remember going the first time when I was at school and it felt like we were going to the zoo. Like the way they were like, look at these people doing these these things and I just felt like there's no like if I'm not gonna if I'm just gonna go here to look at these people, that's weird. But then I would go when my friends uh, would go to buy weed because, I mean, they sell them in little stalls and it would just seem a lot safer than going anywhere else. And I would go if I wanted to spend money. So like if I wanted to, they have this amazing Christmas market, which is so cool. So I liked that because it was like, okay, well, I'm going to put money into the community. So that makes sense. And then I had friends who would play in bands and concerts and stuff. But I was never into going there just to hang out because that felt a bit like, like a weird form of tourism, and just. I, I have a I have a I have a question. What what's Christiania? Well, it's a bit like you know Amsterdam in the Wire. Oh right. <laughs> it's it's kind of like it's it's a free town. It's a it's its own independent. It's in a big park, isn't it? Yes, yes, yeah. And they build their own houses. They have direct democracy, so they all have to agree on things. Like every single one of them have to agree. So they're elections take forever and they have to agree on you know who to let in and and uh who's allowed to be there which you know and it's they sell weed just in stalls like in a little market and it's a really beautiful idea it's a really beautiful place and i don't even know where it is at the moment but at least 10 years ago and five years ago the police were constantly trying to raid it and ruin it and because they think that they can get rid of drugs that way but actually, we just know where all the drugs are, which is really good. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean, I mean, I remember going there and just think it did just feel like the first time you go to Amsterdam, where it's like it, you do feel like a bit of a tourist going through and everything. And I remember you're not allowed to take photos there, are you? It's like, yeah, which is kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I found, it, I found it very kind of interesting. And like, and it's so weird to think of it's a kind of a city within a city as well. You know, there's something kind of nice and it about. is so beautiful. Like lights everywhere. It's by the river. It's gorgeous. So, given that this is uh, is not a pub where you create your dream lawless state where drugs are freely available without threat of a prosecution, this pub, though a pub of the mind and a pub of desire, it is still regulated by licensing laws. <laughs> um, and I do think people need to be reminded of that. <laughs> so, well, so it's an imaginary pub, but it's still subject to the UK laws. We can have fun, but not too much fun. Yeah. It wouldn't be a dream pub if it wasn't like subject to UK law. So what about what? It has to close at a certain time. Well, no, because you know, twenty-four hour licensing now. Right. We've got twenty-four hour licensing. We can have live music, all that, all that kind of thing. But you can't just <laughs> knock someone out. I love the idea. Knock you can't just out. set up a stall and sell weed in the corner of the moon underwater. I no, love the sir. idea that you've sort of applied for a license for a pub that exists in your head. Yeah, well, yeah, and I got it. Yeah, you did. And it's framed above the bar in a splendid, a splendid ornate frame. So, Sophie, given the the rules and regs that we've discussed, when you walk into your dream pub, and you don't have to say whether it's a pub or a bar, because we've we've ascertained that that's TBC, the definition. What what do you want to see? What do you want to feel? Who do you want to be there? I wanted to be. Pretty much empty. I want, but I don't. Not completely empty because I don't want to. I don't want to have to say, "I'm sorry, are you closed?" 
Because then you get the really awkward answer of like, no. And you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. It just really seemed like it. And then you feel like you've offended them, which in terms of British culture, you probably have without knowing it. So I want that to be some people, um, ideally people who are there alone, just sitting, having a good time, sitting by the bar, sitting by a table, chill time. I would like to see a bunch of like nooks and crannies. Like I, I would like to look in and say, oh, I can sit over there in that corner behind that thing. Like where if someone else comes in, they don't immediately see me. They'd have to look for me. That would be the dream. So again, you are able to see, you've sort of quite a voyeuristic dream of the pub where you get to assess the people coming in before they get to see you. Yes. Ideally, I never see the people coming in and they never see me. Wow. A sort of a pub where you're always hidden. The Crown in Belfast takes this to extremes. I don't know if you've ever been there, Sophie, but it's actually the booths actually have doors. <gasps> so you get dream. yourself a little booth. I'm going to write that down. The Crown in Belfast. Yeah, incredible <gasps> pub. Yeah, it's a bit like if you ever go to a pub where there's a sort of a little snug with a door and it's always taken and it's never free. It's like that, but they're in rows. So they're all sort of sectioned off. It's quite extraordinary. That's the dream. That is the, I didn't even, it's so much the dream that I didn't even dare to put that into my dream pub. Because I was like, even in my dream, it's unobtainable. I do like walking into a pub that's nearly empty. There's something that's like, it's like, this is just for me. Yeah, Yeah. it's going to be, it's pretty much, spoiler alert, going to be a theme (laughs) for this pub. There's not that many people in there and I intend to keep it that way. (laughs) <laughs> how how old are the drinking establishments in Copenhagen, for example? Are some of them sort of hundreds and hundreds of years old, or are they all quite modern? The ones that I'm thinking of, I think, are quite old. I, I think they're old, but I do think they do have a tendency to be refurbished, I would say. Like, they they feel modern, but I'm pretty sure the... I mean, I know there are, there are two pubs that I know... There are loads of stories going around... Um, of the first ever comedians in Denmark. Like, that's where they would go. And that would be the 50s. So even by then, these pubs would probably be quite old and notorious in certain circuits and communities. So, and they're just off the top of my head, too, I can think of. So I'm assuming there would be some that are quite, quite old. So when you walk into this almost empty, almost pub with people there alone, with the nooks and crannies, and now the booths with doors, which you can hide behind to assess the scene. I'm not. No, I'm actually not sure about the doors. I don't. No, I don't want doors. Not in this one. No, that's fine. But as close as that as possible. So, like, I still. I'm just hidden away. Well, what about you know those saloon doors, which you can actually see over, but they do represent a sort of physical. So they're sort of cut out slightly, and they flap. No, because I still want to see what's happening. Right. Yeah. Right. It's this, I, I want to look out, I don't want people to look in. Mm. Well, mm. With, a, with a saloon door, I mean, people would be able to see you from sort of shoulders up and you'd be able to see them if they were standing from waist up. It depends how much you want to assess. I want them to see my bottom and I want to see their bottoms, John. So that's... <laughs> what about, you want a kind of one-way mirror then, really, don't yeah. you? Yeah, I want yeah. to be in a police station. That's my dream. Yeah. That's my, dream. <laughs> my pub is inside an interrogation room. I think it's crucial that we've ascertained that you want to see everyone's bottoms because we always forget to ask our guests, do you want to see everyone's bottoms and do you want them to see your bottom? Yeah. And when you, when, if you ask me about what I'm going to ban from the pub, it'll be trousers. So it will become relevant <laughs> towards the end. 
As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Thousands of people listen to The Moon Underwater every week and we can help deliver your brand message to targeted audiences. So if you're to be part of The Moon Underwater and connect with engaged audio listeners, get in touch. Just email sales at audioalways.com and find out more about how podcast advertising and sponsorship could work for you. That's sales at audioalways.com. In this pub of bottoms, what two draft choices do you want, Sophie, at your bar? I would like Carl's Special. Carl's? Carl's. Which is Carlsberg. But it's a type of Carlsberg. It's in the it's in the Carlsberg family called Carl Special. Oh. So that's C A R L apostrophe S, is it? I think so. Yes, and then special like special. Wow. So how, how, what did you? Th- what is this very different from the kind of bottles of Carlsberg we might be used to here? I don't think so. I don't really. I'm very bad at tasting the difference between things in general. My memory of Carl Special was just like when I taste Carl Special, I am taken back to that pub, the Citizen, and the jugs of Carl Special that we would all share among us, more or less every single night for a couple of years, <laughs> apart from the weekends, of course, because no one goes out in the weekend. That's silly. And I don't know. It's just for me, it's just the taste of Copenhagen midweek empty pub hangout. Well, I've got good news for you, Sophie. It is bottom fermented, uh, which I think is 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 what maybe sets it aside from regular Carlsberg. I think it's, it's always amazes me like the differences of products across Europe because Carlsberg is like one of the most famous beers in Britain, and yet I've never heard of this other version of it that because it's not sold here. It's mm. mad. But it's one of the... It had an extraordinary kind of marketing campaign recently, because you know they've introduced the Carlsberg Pilsner, which is a kind of slightly stronger version, and to kind of compete with the, com- compete with the you know, your San Miguel's and or whatnot. But, like, um, it, they basically did a campaign of people going on about how Carlsberg tasted horrible, <laughs> and it's like, now, we, now we've made it better kind of thing. They had the... the I believe it was Carlsberg... Or was it Tuborg who had the the advert that said probably the best beer in town or probably the best beer in the world? That's Carl's. That was Carlsberg's sort of nineties advertising. Yeah. Where in certain countries they were like, oh, okay, then I guess we won't buy it because it didn't it didn't make sense to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they yeah they had that with was it is it Mads Mikkelsen? They had that campaign. We got it wrong, which is quite interesting. Sort of this corporate apology for basically a beer not tasting quite as nice as 
they said it did. Yeah, but it must be one of those ones that it got, kind of must have got watered down because I remember those bottles of Carlsberg. You'd get they they sort of really didn't taste of anything, you know, in the nineties, noughties. Do you ever did you ever drink them, John? Oh yeah, we used to have them at Sam's house, but I I quite liked them because they didn't really taste of anything. Because I didn't really like the taste of lager, but that's not that's not a very good endorsement of a lager in that you like it because it doesn't taste of what it's meant to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Carl's special at four point four percent, and is that being served in jugs? In this pub, yes. I mean, yes. it's also it's being sold in however however you want it, but it very specifically does have jugs. And what would be your second choice? Cider, Summersby. Summersby. Yeah. I won't be edgy. I might as well just say that right now. That's all right. That's controversial, all right. but not edgy. <laughs> my my only memory of Summersby cider was leaving Latitude Festival, and lots of people because they were getting the train hadn't taken their rider with them. And I always and I knew this in advance always happened. So I always drive and then I fill up my boot with everyone's rider. You're joking. Yeah. Is he serious? You drive the only reason you drive to Latitude is to try also, and pick it's up. Also, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> but I would insist on driving my car right up to the back back door of the comedy tent. That is classic, Robbins. That's amazing. And I must have had you know forty cans of Summersby in my car, and I'll just say this. They lasted a long time. Really? But which ones were they? Because there's different taste. Oh, just regular Summersby. It was like the it was like the year they did their big sort of launch of that cider. Well, I didn't know there were different styles of Summersby. Pear, and there's apple something. Oh, there's also uh, berries. That one's not good. That's too sweet. Well, I'm about to discover Summersby ciders in my mind before I just accept the cookies of their mind and enter my date of birth into my own mind. What have we got here? Oh, I accepted them a second ago. Oh, dear. Just entering my date of birth into my mind again. Um, no, they've asked me to enter my date of birth a third time. So I I don't think their web hosting is up to much, even though it's the web that I've spun in my own mind. Uh, but which flavour of Summersby would you want on, on draft, Sophie? Pear. Pears, oh, nice. be pear cider. I mean, I'm not a big cider drinker, but until someone on the show recommended Inch's cider, I think it was me. It probably was you, and it's quite hard to get hold of. I can't find it in any of my local shops. But Inch's is like drinking the meaning of cider again. It's it's <laughs> unbelievable. It's so unbelievable. It's like what you imagined cider to drink to, would, would taste like when you were kind of growing up. And how strong would that be? Because what the ciders I've had here have been sort of, they almost taste more like beer than cider, I find, where Summersby was just like drinking a fizzy drink, but then you knew there was alcohol in it. So it depends which way you want to go, right? Well, Inches is five, uh, 4.5 and some, so it's the same as Summersby because Summersby's pear is 4.5 as well. And it's ve- so I would imagine Summersby pear cider is at the very, very sweet end of the cider spectrum. Well, Inches is sweet as well, but it's kind of complex as well. I'm glad you noticed the complexity. Yeah, I, I was drinking it going, God, this is complex. But it, 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 it tastes, I mean, it, it sounds stupid, it does taste of apples. You can take, you can smell the apples in it. I think Summersby is also, it was, for me, it was just, a really good summer where that was all I drank. 
and you know when you just think oh was it the alcohol or was it the fact that I was 23 and single and <laughs> and just out there right also because I don't think I could drink the same amount of summer speed today without getting like acid reflux and my suddenly my lower back would start hurting and I'd have to take two weeks off work and <laughs> it's maybe just a taste of freedom <laughs> sweet young freedom like we would I remember just when the last bar slash pub would close and it would be 5 a.m. and we still weren't ready to stop drinking, we'd go to the like to Copenhagen Harbor and sometimes we'd end up jumping into the harbor, like swimming, which you're not allowed to do, swimming around. And it was just this, where now you'd be more aware of stuff that is in a harbor that you don't want inside of you, in any any part of you. So I think it was just this young, free feeling of having drunk just a bunch of cider Mm, mm. i mean that really is you've almost described the perfect advert for cider apart from it would be 5 p.m and not 5 a.m but a group of young bright young things head out as the sun begins to set with sort of droplets of condensation in their big bucket of summersby heading to the harbour and they all sort of chink glasses and don't commit antisocial (laughs) behaviour It's it's really quite compelling. It is, it is. It's also the way you remember the past and you don't remember all the, you know, the the bad stuff of having to walk home all drenched and... Yeah, you remember the montage. Yeah. Of, uh, yeah, exactly. Well, you don't remember any sensations. So you don't remember in that scene really needing a poo and not being able to find a toilet and, and wonder, wondering if the girl or guy you fancy is going to notice if you disappear for half an hour to find a toilet. That would be a very strange cider advert, wouldn't it? <laughs> you know when you need a poo and you don't know if they love you back? Yeah. Summers be cider, pear. With all this talk of cider and youth, remind, do you remember like uh, in the noughties, it was br- Brothers Cider was absolutely everywhere at festivals and things. Yeah, and they have like uh, toffee apple and Parma violet flavored. Yeah. And, and it was so just... strong. But that 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 is for me standing at Glastonbury, you know, on a mud in a muddy field with trying to carry like six cardboard, you know, <laughs> um, gl- cups of Brothers Cider back to people. Well, the weird thing with cider is it often feels like every brand gets a year to promote itself and will be the cider of choice at a festival, whereas beer tends to be slightly more perennial. So I guess Inches is next. Inches is next for the big push. Yeah. Hi, John. David Cameron here. Really enjoying Moon Underwater. Absolutely brilliant. I know you're manically busy, doing a great job, by the way. It's bloody hard. I think the team's coping extremely well. But do you have a moment for a word? I'd love to come on the Moon Underwater. Um, I'm on this number and V-free. All good wishes, DC. But superb choices there. So Carl's Special, Bottom Fermented, and Summersby Pear Cider on Draft. But you now get two uh, bottles and cans... And they can be either or both. But what would what would you like for your bottles and cans? So it was a struggle not to put just regular Coke into the drafts. Because I do like it watered down. Uh, but So I'm going to have to just go with a regular, plain, boring can of Coke. And did you say you like it watered down? What do you mean when you I say watered like down? I quite like a pub Coke. Do you know what I mean? Like a pint. And it, t- it tastes a bit more like water than actual Coke. I quite like that. It's like a, there's a there's a certain feeling about like when I first moved to the UK, I would spend so much time in pubs because 
I lived in Streatham and I didn't take the the train, so I had to take the bus. So it took forever to get into town. So usually I would just hang around in town until I had a gig in the evening. So I would just be in pubs and it would always be like a bowl of chips and then this like watered down Coke because, well, it was in the middle of the day and I <laughs> did, was not drinking in the middle of the day because I did not think that was something you would do or could do. And so it was just this watered down pint of Coke and it would just be really cheap and it would last forever. So you can just sit with your notebook and, and write. And then, so there's something about that taste of really cold, watered down pint of Coke where you, the glass looks really dirty and you keep like looking at the glass to see there must be something more in this glass than just Coke and ice, but somehow there's not. Yeah. I love um, pub Coke. When I worked in a pub, there was a barman who could, he pressed the button on the gun like halfway down, you'd just get the syrup coming out. So you could make a really syrupy, you know, really, really sweet Coke. It was re- it was good. I couldn't do it myself. <laughs> wow, that's like special recipe. Coke. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I always struggle when they, because I love uh, draft, draft Diet Coke on a hot day, for me, is up there with the best. But sometimes when the... When the syrup is sort of dwindling in the mix, you can feel really ripped off by a by a bad pint of draft. Oh, coke. if it's flat, you just like there's nothing worse. So a great, but that so you're having that in a can, yeah, uh, because you can't have it on draft. And what's your second bottle or can? Rosé. Oh yes, please. There's just something. There's two. It's that. It's my go-to drink when beer feels too unspecial but you still want some alcohol but also i don't like wine or red wine really so rosé feels like that safe middle bit of just it feels like a let's get day drunk drink so there's two very different rosé worlds there's the sweet rosé world and the sort of rosé that just for me tastes like very dry white wine which one are you talking about i think it's very obvious that i'm going for the sweet (laughs) <laughs> the sweet, the sweet cheap rosé. I don't even have a brand because I don't even know what they're called. Well, we were having this discussion in the Moon Underwater some months ago, and someone got in touch to say if you like the sweet rosé that you get, you know, on the bottom shelf of supermarkets, but you want a slightly nicer one, it's called Rosé d'Anjou, and they're about seven quid a bottle, and you just feel slightly less like a teenager by drinking it as opposed to like Echo Falls or Ernst and Gallio or whatever it is. So I'm going to suggest you go for a Rosé d'Anjou. I will learn to pronounce that, yeah. <laughs> They're also the sweeter ones have less alcohol in than the dry ones. So you're actually in a, they would be between like 8 and 10%, whereas a regular wine is between sort of 12 to 13. But that's a minus, surely. For me, it's a plus. Oh, really? Because then you can drink more? Yes, more bang oh. for your buck. See, I'm more about getting there quicker, I think. Because once I've decided to drink... You could just pour some vodka in it. I will never drink vodka in my life, ever. Tell me more. It was the first thing I ever got drunk on. Mm, yeah. And oh, I was 16. We were, the f- <laughs> we were the last three 16-year-olds. It felt like in Denmark, who had not tried drinking yet, because everyone else had started when they were 13. So we were very uncool because we didn't go to parties. So we were like the three freaks of the school. 
So we were just like, let's do it. And we bought a bottle of vodka, not knowing anything about anything. And we just started, we just drank it, like a, a full bottle of probably Smirnoff. No, it wasn't even that. It was like Rasputin or something, like a really the cheapest possible vodka. And we're just passing it around. And I remember it tasting like water, like I couldn't taste it at all. So I had a third of a bottle of vodka the first time I ever got drunk. Oh, and I remember just texting everyone I went to school with. Everyone, horrible texts. I was talking about like sucking on their toes and I was, I don't know, I was just really living my best life. And it was a Friday. And the next day I was fine. I was like, oh my God, why are people complaining about hangovers? I'm amazing. And then I came to school on the Monday and because it had happened on the Friday, no one, the people had forgotten it over the weekend. And I made it all the way through the day. And right when it was about to end and we we're about to go home, I could see one of the boys. I could see him, like his eyes flicker. And he was like, Sophie. And the second he said Sophie, everyone else in the class, like their eyes lit up and they all remembered at the same time. Worst day of my life. Like, did you want to suck on my toe? I was like, no. <laughs> so in order to get over that, I was like, I'll throw a party so we can all be drunk together. So I threw a party, drank another bottle of vodka, ended up having my first kiss and giving my first blowjob and then locking the guy in a cupboard because I was embarrassed and forgot about him. He came out 12 hours later. It was horrible. And then I had the worst hangovers in my entire life. And I've not touched vodka since. Wow. Lots of strong associations there with, with vodka. Yeah. Yeah. You really sort of, you missed out a lot of steps that night. Yeah. The whole thing happened within the, the same two weeks from me being wow. a, a, an innocent little virgin <laughs> to being an absolute mess of a human being and it was pretty much all down to just vodka it's amazing that i wonder like you know alcohol does play a role in transitioning us from innocence to experience but perhaps not always in the best possible time frame or circumstance i just remember that i mean the first time i got really drunk was tequila and i remember looking at it and just thinking, you know, you just think you're kind of immortal, don't you, at that age, looking at it in the glass, thinking, how can that affect me? It's just a bit of liquid. And also, you think you're so cool, you know? It's just like, oh my god, I'm just so cool. I'm just gonna say this thing to this guy, like, oh my god. And then you you start looking at yourself from the other side, like, when you start to see yourself the day after, how you were the day before, and you start realising, uh, <laughs> I wasn't cool, I was just, that was not elegant. <laughs> <laughs> That night on tequila, Robin actually gave himself a blowjob and locked himself into a cupboard for 12 hours. <laughs> Never had tequila again. No, no, I I just, I can't, it just reminds me of that night. I, I, as, as soon as I smell it, I just feel, I feel like I'm, I'm going to be sick. Like, I feel sick now. <laughs> well, it's, but it's an important phys, physiological response to things that have poisoned us. That's how we learned not to eat, I don't know, bad nettles whatever it is that <laughs> we learned nettles. not to eat as as we were evolving i'm not really much of a scientist i'll be honest with you so we have thus far in sophie hagen's almost empty almost pub with nooks and crannies and you can see everyone's bottoms uh, we have carl's special we have summersby pear cider on draft we have a rosé d'anjou and a regular good old-fashioned can of blooming coke 
in the bottles and cans department. We head over to the resident brain box extraordinaire, Robin Allender, for the Moon Underwater pub quiz. Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down, it's time for the quiz. He played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger, that wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey have been deducted five points. Thanks, John, and welcome to this week's Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. Sophie, pub quizzes. What are your thoughts? Are they a date? Are they a thing in Dane, Dane, Denmark? Daneland? <laughs> Daneland? <laughs> not that I know of. Right. Okay. I, can, I mean, there must be something similar, but it's not like a cultural thing that I know of. I've never been to one. I think I would like it. You know, so have you never been to one in the UK? No. Really? Yeah, I've watched it on the television. Mm-hmm. But I've not... What? What? What do you? What? What quizzes do you watch? Like? Oh no, no, I've watched. Uh, <laughs> I've watched uh, like TV shows in which the characters go to a pub quiz. I see, right? <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Yeah, but yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if pub quizzes are definitely a thing in the states. I think. Yeah, because there was in the office they went to one. Yeah, but I think I'm just general with quizzes. I'm I put too much pressure on myself, and then I forget everything I've ever been. Like the worst day of my life was when I did um, what's it called? Celebrity point pointless celebrities. Right. Oh, that was painful. That was so painful. <laughs> my my agent was like five minutes late and when he arrived he was like so when does it start i was like oh no i'm i'm already out like yeah oh, wow. <laughs> i was on there for 30 oh. seconds and then that was it i died yeah gosh i mean well so if you don't do well in this quiz as in the office you can try and throw something over a pub, throw a shoe is it throw a shoe over a pub <laughs> Finchy does and that's the real quiz I think Sophie's talking about the American office oh, where right. they go to they go to a trivia night in Oscars uh, the gay bar and they turn up and they've sort of got a B team oh, and an A team so and they so have funny, that yeah. sort of slumdog millionaire moment where uh, Kevin and um, Aaron just happened to know all the answers. Yeah, that's it. It's a really good episode. But the the shoe over the pub did ring a bell, so I must have seen whatever it is you're talking about there. Well, that, that's the UK <laughs> office where they they have a very yeah yeah very competitive. This is this uh, is why I'm bad at quizzes. I forget everything. I don't know what I've seen. I don't know what I'm referencing. Frey Bentos. Anyway, this week's this week's quiz is a geography round. How are you with no no? Okay. <laughs> So, the, but don't worry. This isn't a quiz for you. It's a quiz for our listeners. You know, you, you can see how well you, you've done and everything. But there's no stress. No stress here. So, there's three questions about uh, geography. As ever, there's no prizes except the fun of taking part. And when we get to part two, we'll go through the answers. So, question one is: What country has the longest coastline in the world? It's a classic of pub quiz questions. What it's country classic, isn't it? has the longest coastline in the world? Hmm. Okay. Question two. Two countries in the world are double landlocked, which means that they are bordered by countries that are all themselves landlocked. Can you name either or both? So two countries in the world are double landlocked. Good question. And your final question, question three. What is the only sea without any coasts? A sea without coasts? Yes. A sea without coasts. <laughs> what is it? It's question three. 
And there we go. That was, sorry, I got rather kind of soporific audio book style there. I don't know why I'm listening to too much Audible. Yeah, that's it. That's the quiz. Good luck. Very good quiz. Double landlocked. So what is landlocked? A landlocked country is a country that doesn't border the sea, so it's surrounded completely by So like the question countries. about the sea, but about the land. Exactly. Yeah, I never wow. thought of that, but that's clever of me. Yeah. <laughs> that is a very good quiz. It's Thank a you. very good Thank quiz. You. I wish I I wish I had a map of the world in front of me right now. But superb geographical tenterhooks, double landlocked tenterhooks to leave our listeners on. Um, and folks, we come to the end of part one of Sophie Hagen's Moon Underwater Dream Pub Construction. Just a reminder that if you would like extended ad-free episodes, head over to moonunderpod.com to support us on Patreon. And to those who subscribe to the highest tier, they get their name read out in the most venerable of verses, the patron's poem. So go charge your glasses, pop to the loo, grab a bag of crisps, and we will see you back for part two. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Thousands of people listen to The Moon Underwater every week and we can help deliver your brand message to targeted audiences. So if you're to be part of The Moon Underwater and connect with engaged audio listeners, get in touch. Just email sales at audioalways.com and find out more about how podcast advertising and sponsorship could work for you. That's sales at audioalways.com.